the good times, moonlight racing from the grave. String band playing more of that honky tonk's pretty young thing going dancing in the rain. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Blind Love Radio. I am your host, Anna Rosen. Thank you so much for being here and listening. I can't believe it's been a whole year of podcasting. I am so grateful to everyone who has listened, to everyone who has been a guest on the podcast. Um, It's been truly incredible, an incredible experience. And coming full circle within a year is words cannot explain. It's very, very exciting. Um, Today, I have a really fun guest to close out the year and welcome in a new year, a new decade. I have Shane of Tree Loving Life on Instagram. That's his handle. And he is an incredible artist and thinker and just spiritually connected human. Um, I was blown away by his story and this podcast, and I was so grateful for him coming on the podcast. And you guys just wait until you hear this podcast. Um, It's amazing. He starts talking about all these synchronicities that start happening and what he learns through it and the art that he creates from it and why he's creating it and the depth of emotion. You can feel it. It's so beautiful. Um, So I know you guys are going to feel inspired by Shane And if you want to reach out to him, again, find him on Instagram, Tree Loving Life. And I am so excited to see what he produces in the future. And I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Shane. Um, This was an incredible episode. I know I just, I'm kind of like rambling and just keep saying the same thing, but it was so incredible. Ah, like... He starts sharing it, and as it goes on, he kind of, like, gets more comfortable, and it's all just, like, flowing out of him, and it's just so beautiful. Um, So we also had his brother, John, on the podcast. You can go back to his episode, Coyote Water. Um, That was Folk Saints and Magic that was on the podcast earlier. Um, So what a creative family, like oh my God, I am obsessed with them. Um, So today we have Shane and I'm so excited for you guys to listen. So thank you guys again for listening. Thank you for supporting the podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, if you could rate it and review it, that would be so amazing. And it really warms my heart. And it would be a great birthday gift because my birthday is on January 2nd. Um, I made it almost totally through my Saturn return, guys. I feel like this podcast was a huge part of it. And I hope you guys are enjoying it as much as I am. I hope you're getting something out of it because 
it's given me a million things and I hope to give back through that. Um, so I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy this synchronicity and consciousness and art filled episode with Shane. Love you. Okay, so go ahead and introduce yourself. Okay, so uh, my name is Shane, uh, Shane Gidry, to be precise. Um, and uh, my Instagram is, uh, of course, uh, Tree Loving Life. Um, and uh, basically, I have been um, on Instagram. Uh, in regards to Instagram itself, uh, for a little over a year now. Um, and mainly for the purpose of, uh, promoting or, um, getting my art out there, um, which is solely for, uh, its message sake. Uh, I'm, I currently, I'm considering making some art that I might sell, uh, but for the time being, all the art, especially if it's pertaining directly to its core message, uh, it's all uh, non-for-profit. Um, I'm just getting started, so I don't really have much. I uh, haven't really got much out there, and um, I'm currently working on getting uh, what I can scanned and uh, then available uh, at cost. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm just uh, trying to do what I can, um, and because uh, I'm not too familiar with like marketing or um, ways to actually be an artist. Uh, I got into this because of um, what the art is about, and um, uh, not to try to be an artist per se. And uh, so I've just been trying to do what I can, and. Um, making leeway uh where possible so that's basically uh so tell us about your art like what kind of art do you make i've seen it on instagram and it's beautiful but in your own words like you know what do you make what does it represent to you um what's your process like any of those topics okay so uh it's all done with pencil um and uh it's something well so first of all what inspired me um was uh two video games that recently were created uh they came out right before or right around 2011 2012 um and the video games that i'm speaking of are journey and flower uh so i used to play video games when i was younger and um, I stopped mainly because it was all so much geared towards violence and, um, you know, that, that sort of uh, experience. And for a while there, like, I really, to be perfectly honest, enjoyed uh, those games and um, played much of them. And, and, of course, there's other games as well that I would play, um, like in the Nintendo world, the Mario-type uh, games, which aren't really 
so much about violence. Um, and uh, but I quit playing video games, and then uh, years later, uh, I started having this experience that was very synchronistic, and all these different things were happening that were all interconnected through color and through circumstance. And um, it was around that time that I had this impulse uh, to play a video game. And I just uh, one day was like, you know, I'd like to 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 get a game and, um, you know, have a good experience. I specifically wanted to play something that was uplifting and inspiring, something more in the Mario kind of world or realm. And so I went to the video game store. I looked at literally every single one of their games uh, for PlayStation 3. And I came upon a, uh, a, a package deal that had three games, uh, Journey, Flower, and Flow, which were the three uh, first games that uh, the game company, it's called That Game Company, uh, had created. I looked at it and I immediately felt an um, appreciation for it and for the imagery and um, what it was talking about on the package. And um, so I actually then left, researched Flower and Flow, and I, specific, I intentionally didn't research or look at any um, available videos for Journey. And because um, I wanted that to be uh, a, a brand new, fresh experience if I did play it. And what I saw, I really uh, appreciated. So I said, Okay, I'll go back and get it. Whenever I went to get it, as I was buying it, the guy at the front, he said to me, as I was buying it, he said, uh, I saw what you did there. And I was like, oh, really? And he was like, yeah. And, cause he, he, and he was like, you know, I saw that you looked at like literally every single one of our games. And, and he said, you made, I think you made the right choice. And, uh, and he said, just so you know, this is our last copy. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so that was pretty cool. And then when I played the game, um, it just it's 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 really worth mentioning because like you know um a lot of the games like i said these days are if anything they're created literally by the uh military industrial complex um and uh as just a way to get people um young people um interested in warfare and seeing it as kind of a cool thing and whether or not that's true there are just a a, a wide variety of games uh, and the the majority of them are around violence and guns and what have you. And so these people that made these games, um, they made them with the intention of creating an entirely different experience, one that's supposed to uplift you. I forget what their message statement is, and I should have written it down, but it's something about like um, positively transforming or positively affecting human consciousness. And um, so I started playing the games and uh journey is or i'm sorry flower is a game where you are the wind and you uh travel through meadows and uh, different landscapes natural landscapes and uh as you do you uh bump into certain flowers and as you do bump into them you pick up certain uh petals and then by the end of the level you are just this long cascading uh, collection of flower petals moving through uh, a natural landscape and then at the end of each level you'll come to a point where you like activate the world and um, bring color and life to it and so that alone 
um, just playing it really resonated with what I've experienced that has everything to do with nature, the wind. And um, uh, so I was starting to get my juices flowing from that. And then I played Journey. And Journey, you are a uh, half human, half kite um, uh, figure that uh, slowly throughout the experience, your uh, kite's tail that hangs down from behind you um, continually grows as you move up this uh, desertous like landscape. And at the end of it, you then enter into um, the light that's shining at the top of this mountaintop and you become one with the light. And it's just a very, and, and everything about the games that they make, there's no HUD screens or um, uh, there's very, very little, or there's no words, but they'll have, at the very beginning, they'll have certain kind of indicators to help you understand uh, the basic um, functions and what have you. But other than that, it's all seamless. They just have the world itself um, with music that is specifically created for the experience by an, uh, um, what do you call it? Uh, a composer. And, um, so it's this wonderful, beautiful experience. Uh, everybody who plays it has a different takeaway from it, but everybody, um, basically is very moved by it and, uh, and on an emotional level. And, um, but there was a very unique synchronicity that when these synchronicities started that led up to playing this game, it started with a cardinal that started tapping on my window every single day that lasted for three months straight. And wow. right. That is spooky so, dooky. Yeah. And it was a beautiful thing. Like even whenever it started and I, I was unemployed at the time. So I was just out living in the country and, um, I had some land and uh, I was living in a little trailer house and, and so every single day, this, this Cardinal would start tapping on my window. And whenever I'd go up to the window, he seemed excited and he'd hop around and look at me and, um, it looked like he was smiling in his eyes and, um, excited to see me and, but there seemed to be something to it. And, um, and the more that I experienced this, the more that I, of course, started to wonder like, what is this Cardinal doing? And um, why is he, why is he taking so much interest in, in trying to, what seems to be him trying to communicate with me? Um, but he's doing it in a certain way. And, and when I would discuss this with people, they'd say, Oh, that's because he sees his reflection or like I had a dream catcher in that window that had some feathers hanging. And this one guy said, Oh, he sees the birds or whatever behind it. And, and I said, the birds. And he said, yeah, that what's hanging there. And I was like, well, those are feathers, but I don't think that's why he's doing that. And, so he kept on doing it. And then uh, other things were happening um, in my life. Uh, I came to a point where I didn't want to have anything to do with locks or keys. I didn't want to create these barriers and, um, and have this fear. Uh, so I actually stopped locking uh, my car, you know, because typically when people go anywhere, as soon as they close their door to enter into a store or whatnot, they will immediately push the button that locks their, their vehicle. And of course, also when they get home, typically the, uh, the normal action is to lock the door behind you. And, and so I wanted to stop doing that. And whenever I'd 
go into any store, I'd actually, not only would I not lock my car, but I'd actually keep the, the key in the ignition. And um, during that time, nobody went to the car, nobody drove off with it. And then also one day threw the keys to my house out of my window into a ditch. When I got home, I uh, took the lock off of my door. And um, in, until I actually left, there was just a hole in the door where the lock was supposed to be. So I was doing that. And then it, it got to a point where I was like, I think I might know what this bird uh, is trying to do. And at this point, I'd actually started calling the bird Rufio. Um, have you ever seen the movie Hook? Yeah. Okay. So in that movie, there's the character Rufio. He has uh, red and black hair. And because I was... The punk rock one, right? What's that? He's like a little punk rock kid. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Skateboarder um, and uh, very rebellious. And, um, you know, he took the place of Rufio when Rufio left Neverland. And, and then he kind of initiates uh, Peter Pan. Um, once he re-enters Neverland and he starts to realize who he is. And, um, so, uh, I was smoking a lot of cannabis at the time and I was painting my house and I, uh, I started having these very profound considerations and contemplations about different things. And it included the bird. And, um, and one day I just said to myself, very, Nuts. I wasn't being serious, but I said, um, or I thought to myself, maybe this bird is, um, it's like, I'm, I'm Peter Pan and the bird is, is Rufio. He's red and black. And, um, and again, this is, I was more joking than anything else, but I was just kind of creating a context or whatnot. And, and I said, so the bird's Rufio, he's Peter, uh, I'm Peter Pan and, but I've left Neverland and I've, I've been shutting myself into this house. And, um, not getting outside into Neverland. And because where I lived, it was a very beautiful, um, you know, natural landscape. Um, when you walk outside, it's basically you're just in forest and wilderness. And so uh, I started jokingly saying um, that this uh, bird is, is Rufio and he's trying to get me out of my house. He's trying to get me out of this um, kind of a cage that I've created. And um, so when I did that, and then I had thrown my keys away and, and I was doing that stuff. I then said, I think I know what this, I think I know what Rufio is trying to do. He's trying to get me to open up the windows and get outside and let the, let, let Neverland in and, and go out into it. And so I opened the window, uh, which had a window unit in it. So I took the window unit, placed it inside, opened the window. And moments later, he started tapping on the living room window on top of that uh, window unit. And I mean, just moments later. So he moved immediately from tapping on that window to tapping on the living room window. So I opened that one up. Uh, as soon as I did that, moments later, he started tapping on the other one, which didn't have a window unit. So he had to actually fly up to it. And as he was passing it, he would tap on it really quick. So I opened up that window. He then started tapping on the kitchen window open up that one. And then that night I went to sleep and I had this, um, and this was happening as this, these things were taking place where I would reach a certain point consciously and within myself, like with the keys and the lock where I'd feel compelled to eradicate this fear from my life and to 
um, not close myself in and, um, and to be afraid of what's out there and, and the unknown. And, and each time I'd go to sleep, I'd have this concern that the next morning I'd wake up and I wouldn't feel the same way. And I'd want to put the lock back on my door and start locking my car. And, and, uh, but I, I kept, uh, pressing forth and, and, uh, maintaining that position. And that night after I'd experienced this, uh, and it was very, you know, it was very curious that here he was tapping on that one window. And as soon as I opened that one, he's tapping on the other ones immediately. And each one that I'd open, he'd then tap on the other ones, which to me, uh, and, and I only put so much validity in what this appeared to be, but, you know, it really did seem like this bird, this cardinal was actually trying to get my windows open, uh, for him to be then moving to the other ones. And so I went to sleep that night, kind of worrying that the next morning I'd close the windows and, and that would, uh, that, that would be the end of that. But when I woke up, I woke up to the sound of him tapping on the last window in the house, which was, uh, a window. It's a door, uh, out that leads out of the kitchen, uh, the far end of the house. And, uh, at the time I was sleeping in the, the living room on the couch and, and that's how he would wake me up at the start of this was in, in my, my room, which I was not sleeping in at the time I was sleeping in the living room. And, um, I'd hear, I'd wake up to him tapping on the window and this morning after I'd opened up all the windows other than this last one, I wake up to the sound of him tapping on this last window. And so, and, and I mean, it still moves me to this day to think of that, that morning and seeing him there just like he was at the beginning, uh, jumping around and seemingly so excited, um, at the potential. And, um, so I opened that door and I left it open. Um, and I took off, uh, that day to head out on what was going to be the next part of the experience and to kind of bring it full circle really quick. Cause I don't mean to go off too much on, on this, uh, point. Um, but it is important to kind of give an appreciation for the synchronicity. So I left, uh, the house and I actually, I actually, uh, full disclosure, I took the front door off of its hinges and I threw it into the front yard. And my reason for doing so is I wanted to make my home, uh, a home for all creatures out outside that whenever I left, cause at the time I didn't know when or if I'd return. Um, and it just, it felt right. I just wanted to take that barrier between that inside space and the outside world completely off its hinges, um, and throw it into the front yard. And, um, so I did that. I left. Um, and when I left, I went to, um, Fort Collins, Colorado. When I got there, all sorts of synchronicities continue to happen. Uh, one of which was me being brought to a, a gallery due to a performance piece I was doing, uh, cause I was living on the streets at the time, which was a part of my intention. I wanted to, uh, immerse myself into, um, an experience of being homeless, uh, by choice and to humble myself to that experience, uh, to help people during that process, uh, in that community. And, uh, I ended up doing a performance piece that I was then accepted into, uh, 
an exhibit that was taking place about alcoholism and poverty. And uh, when I was doing my performance piece, which was just me basically laying down like I was sleeping, and I had a, a sign, a panhandling sign that said, please stereotype me. And, uh, and then a poem that addressed the laws uh, or the ordinance around homelessness. And because, um, you know, nowadays it's more or less illegal. Um, and so I was addressing the ordinance pertaining to homelessness. And uh, an administrator of a gallery in town saw me, reacted very inspired. Uh, very uh, excited about what I was doing. And she took me to her gallery. Their gallery was called Rendition Gallery. And on the floor of their gallery, as I'm telling her, once I had arrived there about Rufio and that experience and what kind of propelled me into this experience, I'm looking on the floor and there's a black R, or I'm sorry, a red R with a black circle around it. Wow. And, yeah. And like, even as like, I looked at it while I was talking to her oh, and then I she had chills. Oh, good. Okay, good. Um, so, uh, you know, I looked at the, the, their symbol on the floor and then she looked at it and I think she picked up on it that, you know, the significance. And, um, so then we actually talked about it. Um, and she gave me a card and on the card, it had a black R with a circle around it and then a red R. And um, so then I left there. I came back to Louisiana, which is where I'd left from. And uh, I started spending time with uh, a woman that I'd met um, in Fort Collins. Whenever I was spending time with her um, in Louisiana, I then, we would go to this grocery store called Rouse's. And immediately as I, on, on the first trip there, as we're walking in, I look up and they're, um, uh, above their store is a red R with a black circle around it. And oh. yeah, and I was just immediately taken by it. And that's whenever I started to really consider, because synchronicities are an interesting thing where sometimes you may or may not be reading into things too much. Um, and uh, you have to really weigh the significance and the uh, context regarding the circumstances at play. So when I looked up at this um, logo of theirs, and it was a big, you know, it was, it was the main symbol or whatever, the uh, sign above their space. So it was a very big thing. And um, But I, I commented to her, I said, there's something about, because she even noticed it. And, and um, but I said, there's something about its position. There's something about it being up there and that I'm walking below it and I, and I don't know what, what to make of it. And then I started thinking like, is this, you know, is this, am I, am I losing my mind? I mean, am I starting to, or not necessarily losing my mind, but am I like, you know, uh, going off on a, um, uh, a tangent of, uh, perception that really isn't leading to anything, but it's just, I'm just noticing, um, you know, uh, connections that aren't aren't really of any great consequence or any isn't actually leading to anything. But it's just I'm just like, oh, there's a red R with a black circle around it. That reminds me of Rufio and um, you know the fact that I was calling. Uh, and and I forgot another thing too. Before I left uh, to go to Colorado, 
I stopped in Lafayette and I went with my uh, brother to a recital. And whenever I was about to enter, and this is like right after I'd left and Rufio had woke me up tapping on the last window. Um, and this guy rolls up as we're about to enter um, the building. And he says, hey, do I know you? And I was like, no, uh, but, but who are you? And, and I was all excited. And, um, and I run up to him and I'm like, who are you? And, and he says, well, I'm Rufio. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and that was his nickname, but that was the name he goes by. It was Rufio. Later, I go to where he works, a place called Plan- uh, Pamblona's or something. It's a tapas bar. And as I enter, the uh, logo is a bull, a black bull with uh, red around him. And when I go in uh, that night, they have a, flam- a flamenco dancer. She's wearing red and black and, and just, I mean, it was, it, it felt like I was entering into some kind of a lucid state. Um, uh, and, but yeah, his, so the first person I meet and, and for the frame to say, have, do I know you? I've never met this guy in my life. And, um, but so, so there was you that. You know what I think of with that? What's that? It's like, that was like the first kind of synchronicity that happened after the whole bird thing. Mm-hmm. And then do you remember in Peter Pan when they have that like imagination feast? No. It's like they have, it's like they're sitting there and they're thinking of all of the things they could eat. And he's oh, like, yes, yes. Yeah. And then like all of these things appear. And that made me, that reminded me when you said like, I felt like I was going into a lucid state at this restaurant. It just kind of like parallels that whole story. It's so interesting. Yeah. Uh, it was like, yeah, it's like the, my imagination and um, the world around me was in sync and, um, and these things were just appearing, um, you know, that, that totally involved the context. And, um, but so that was like, you know, the very first thing that happened. And then there was other things that I'm kind of leaving out, other connections or synchronicities revol- uh, involving color um, uh, that happened to do, uh, that had to do with orange, yellow, and blue. Um, so, uh, let's see. So I, I'm at, I'm going into Rouse's and I'm noticing this logo and its position and its color and the fact that it's an R. Um, and again, I was like, I don't know what to make of this at this point. Like, should I, cause you also don't know, you know, how to, how to go about, you want to notice the synchronicities and try to follow them, but there's only there's only so much you can do. And like, I was like, you know, should I get a job at Rouse's and see where that takes me? Or should I, you know, uh, walk around the area and see if I bump into somebody or, I mean, what do I do with this? So it was shortly after that, that I had this impulse to play a, a video game. And when I start playing journey at the very beginning of it, um, the character is not only half, kite half human but the at the beginning of it in particularly you don't actually have a tail um you're just uh wearing like a cloak and um you're you're wearing a red cloak you have a black face you actually look like a cardinal and yeah and so at the beginning of it you start off in the desert 
you stand up in from a seated position and you walk over to this hill of sand um and it's very obvious that that's where you're supposed to go they do a lot in the game that just makes um it, it's an effortless experience where you just you see where the game is leading you and and you go accordingly and so you see this hill in front of you so you're naturally drawn to it you walk up to the top of it and as soon as you're reaching the top of it the um screen starts to uh pull the hill downward and a light starts to appear and starts raising up which is the light that you move towards throughout the game that's at the top of this mountaintop and as that happens the word journey appears and so the word journey is J-O-U-R-N-E-Y. R is in the center of journey. As the word appears above this mountaintop with the light shining, the light shines on the letter R in the center. And so you are this little character that looks like a cardinal standing beneath a mountain. And the light of the mountain is shining above where the letter R is. So... Uh, and just the game itself, like the synchronicities that played out throughout the game. There's a lot of orange, yellow, and blues. Um, you're interacting with these like kite beings that help guide you uh, whenever you fly through these little pieces of kite or whatnot, this material. They make the sound of leaves. Um, and it immediately started reminding me of what I'd experienced leading up to all these synchronicities which is an experience I've had uh, since the age of 17 in nature, uh, which is also a relationship. And, um, and it really, I mean, it had a, a, a tremendous impact on me. And it made me realize not only do I need to really appreciate what I've experienced and what that has meant, but I need to do what I can to share this with others. Because at the time, I had only shared what this experience is uh, with my best, my closest best friend, uh, the woman that I spent time with in Louisiana, which was basically my one and only girlfriend, and my brother. Other than that, I kept it secret. Uh, I didn't even speak to my friend about it until five years after I'd been experiencing it. And, um, and so that video game and that whole experience is what led up to me coming to a, a realization that I can make art pertaining to what this experience is. And um, I started slowly trying to do what I can um, to create concept art and to build from there on how I can do my best to illustrate uh, this. And I ultimately feel like the best way that this is going to be done, I don't know how I can do it or how I can maybe inspire someone else to do it or work with someone, but ideally it would best be done through an animation where it's not just a single image or illustration, but rather multiple that play out through a video. And uh, so I'm, I'm hoping to maybe make that happen at some point, but um, yeah, I'd love to share with you as well um, what the experience is. and. Um, uh, because that's another thing too that I've come to at this point is I've been making the art and people have been responding well to it. Um, it's been a, a good number of years now that I've started. And so I've actually been able to make more substantial, um, 
you know, pieces, uh, some of which, of course, are at Solarium, and, uh, which is the hostel in Fort Collins. Um, but I recently came to another realization regarding this effort that if I'm going to do this, the best way to really do it is to express this uh, through words and to actually tell my story to the best of my ability, what it is that I've experienced. Um, because if you look at the art, you can, there's, you can, there's a lot of takeaways. Um, and it, you know, you'll say, well, it's, it has to do with nature. It has to do with, um, appreciating nature, um, connecting with it, what have you, but it's really specific. It's not as much as I, you know, it's, it's nice that somebody would experience it in one way or another. And they say, you know, um, art is about, I forget how this is said, but it's something like, you know, people should, uh, it, let, let the viewer interpret the art as they wish or whatnot. But as much as I appreciate that and, um, and I'm happy for anyone to have any kind of a takeaway, there is a specific message that I'm trying to convey. And uh, like currently I'm working on an art, artist statement to send to Solarium to be put next to the art, which is actually me telling my story about how this first started um, so that that way they can really know what it is that I'm trying to express. And then when they look back at the art, it'll have more of an impact and um, give proper context. So yeah, I'd, I'd love to um, also share um, uh, you know, how this first started happening. Wow. That was such a good story. You're an amazing storyteller, number one. Oh, and holy shit, that was just crazy. I feel so inspired by all good. of the synchronicities. And wow, I'm just like, my mind is blown. Good. Yeah, that's normally the the response. I mean, and I am too, like, and I'm leaving things out. There was also, just real quick, I actually uh, traveled up a mountain of sorts. Um, and when I reached a certain point, there were waterfalls, which is also in the game. Uh, I hitchhiked actually up to Rocky Mountain National Park. Uh, and just real quick, another synchronicity, like there's orange, yellow, and blue, which started in the house. I was taking different art, putting it together. And without thinking about it, the, the colors were um, coalescing with one another. And on my hitchhike up to Rocky Mountain National Park, I get picked up by a guy, the only person that picked me up and the only person I needed. Um, and as I'm entering the car, uh, mind you, again, this is after I had uh, left my home with the experience I had with Rufio. And as soon as I'm entering this guy's van, I open his sliding uh, door and there's this like squawk, squeaking kind of a noise. And, and, and I, as I get into his front passenger seat, I said, I think you have like a, I think there might be something going on with your, your uh, door there. And I turn and look and there is a blue cornrow uh, in, uh, perched between me and him uh, from this like um, uh, thing that he has for, him to, for the bird to stand on. It's a blue cornrow, which a blue cornrow um, I wasn't familiar until I experienced this is this, uh, I guess you could say a tropical bird. Um, it has a, uh, let's see, 
yeah, orange and yellow on the inside of its uh, tail. Uh, yellow, uh, it's rather orange and yellow on the inside of its wings or orange and yellow at the tail. Um, and then, okay, yeah, I think it's yellow on the inside of its wings, orange and yellow leading down its, the inside of its tail. Its body is green and its head is blue. And that's the bird that accompanied me up to the point that I then traveled up the mountain. And, uh, I mean, there was all these things. Even later, I then uh, was able to decipher. I went to a commune, and I was able to decipher of the people that were staying there who was in an orange tent. Like, when, right when I got to the commune, there was an orange tent, a blue, uh, ye orange, yellow, and blue tent. And then later I asked somebody if, if this guy was staying in the orange tent and the other guy was staying in the yellow tent just based on what I had been experiencing. And I was correct. So like throughout this whole experience, you know, like I'll tell people the story and their, the typical reaction is, you know, uh, their mind being blown and, um, you know, just, but I, that's what it's been like for me too. I, I don't, I, I don't even know how to make sense of it. There's other things as well. I mean, I could go on and I, the whole thing could just be about these synchronicities. Um, so yeah, uh, I'm glad to hear that you have the same response. So what kind of happened once you got up the mountain? What was like the feeling of like ascending and then like seeing all these synchronicities along the way? And then, yeah, what did it feel like when you like reached that peak? It felt like I, well, this thing is, this is another thing that was interesting. Um, this all, it was all connected. It was all uh, somehow, um, it all happened for a reason. Um, this was before I had played Journey. And so when I got to a certain point, I decided to try to go further and to reach a, a, a place I had never been. And um, it also involved kind of going off uh, or very much going off the beaten path. Um, and, uh, I found this, uh, Creek or a small river, um, that I started traveling along. And this was in the afternoon. Um, I started traveling along it, uh, along this Creek and, uh, and then I decided to make my way back, but it, it had split in a certain way that I got turned around and, and then I'm going up it one way, up uh, down the other, and because I keep trying to find my uh, bag, I had set my bag down, and um, which had all of, all of my gear. Um, without it, I was screwed, and it wasn't winter, but it was definitely cold enough that. Um, and I'm like in the middle of Rocky Mountain National Park, and so I start panicking, and I start really struggling to find the bag, and. Um, and there's this feeling of uh, that kind of the whole trip is for naught and um, I'm screwed. And uh, so very uh, significant turmoil took place in that moment. I eventually found the bag. And then as soon as I found it, I continued up that same direction. And that's whenever I came upon this waterfall. And the waterfall isn't even on the map. Um, but it was this beautiful waterfall. They had all these purple and blue flowers that uh, covered the area. 
and I felt in that moment that uh, that I that it that this was like this was where I was supposed to make it, and um, and a, a, a significant peace came over me. And then later, when I played Journey, um, before you make it to the top, there's this very dramatic uh, point where you are um, getting just pummeled by a, a, a blizzard, and there's lightning, and um, your the tail that you've grown throughout this whole experience starts deteriorating, and it really looks like all hope is lost. And then all of a sudden, as you you actually pass out. Uh, you, you slowly become uh, more and more uh, weakened from the uh, blizzard and uh, from the storm. And, and then you actually fall down and collapse. And then all of a sudden you're surrounded by what the game uh, is. They don't say it in the game, but later they um, contextualize it um, with the uh, playthrough and, and uh, any um, written information about it that the ancestors appear and these ancestors are all dressed in the same cloaks, but they're all white and they're shining in this, this, um, uh, this, this light that's emitting from them. And as they surround you and you're like more or less appear, apparently dead or at, at the point of dying. And as they surround you, you're then lifted up and your tail that had grown extends back out of you and lifts up into the air and you, raise your head up towards the storm clouds and you just become overwhelmed with the sense of light within you. And then you burst forward and you start flying up into the storm clouds and you have all the power uh, and um, ability that you had before, but even more. And then you burst through the storm clouds. And when you do, you're then at the very end. And at that point, there are all these waterfalls that are flowing and, uh, it's just this uh, crystal clear sky, and um, and yeah, as you make your way up, there are all these waterfalls pouring everywhere, and I, I related that to that point in my experience um, where I I reached the waterfalls, and um, but so uh, so yeah, it it all it all um, coalesced in the end, and. Um, uh, I, I actually traveled to California to meet the artists of the game, to share with them what I'd experienced and to show them the art that I was working on, um, which ended up not panning out too well because I didn't even contact them. Uh, I just showed up out of the blue and um, I hadn't properly prepared my art very much. It was just kind of sketches and doodles at that point. Um, I met one of the artists and he didn't even know I, I spoke with him. Um, but I think he thought that I was just, uh, you know, uh, that was in California or in, in Los Angeles, mind you. And so I think he just thought that I was, uh, you know, a crazy homeless person. Uh, but, um, uh, since then I've been in contact with them and other people in consciousness communities, psychedelic community, because this also ties into, uh, DMT and, uh, are you familiar with DMT, the spirit molecule? Only through other people's experiences. I've never experienced it, but I would love to hear your experience. Well, so this is, this is another thing that's interesting about um, my experience. I've never done DMT, uh, but what my experience is that my art pertains to, I've researched DMT 
uh, and what people are experiencing on DMT coalesces in so many ways with what I've experienced in nature. Uh, so people interact with beings in one way or another, um, but there are these specific um, uh, aspects that are kind of universal throughout the experience. Um, one is that they uh, experience or they hear um, a sound of applause or some kind of uh, music um, that has a very unique quality to it. They always experience that these beings are trying to assist them, uh, that they're very happy to see them. They um, take the encounter very seriously. And, um, and then the other thing too is that they have a sense of um, that they can't banish themselves to astonishment. And that's something that actually was told to Terrence McKenna during his experience was to not don't abandon uh, don't abandon yourself to astonishment um, uh, to just try to be calm don't worry and pay attention and uh, and then another thing too is that they say that it's more real than anything that they've ever experienced so um, do you drink a lot I, I do. Yeah. Because I feel like they say that DMT is coming out of your pineal gland when you sleep. So I've started right. thinking about like dreams as being like the biggest trip you can take every night. So I'd love to hear if like dreams come into play here or fit into the story anyway. Not for me specifically. Um, they do say that dreams are possibly created by a release of DMT during REM sleep, um, they haven't, um, confirmed that, uh, to, to, a, an absolute, uh, degree or whatever. They just, they, it's an assumption on, on, uh, researchers parts at this point. Um, and just on anyone considering it, that there may be a chance that DMT is in fact released in the pineal during REM sleep. Um, so, which could be very true. Um, there's a lot of DMT experiences that do have a very um, similar, um, <clears throat> excuse me, a similar kind of quality and um, uh, aspects that appear to be dreamlike. Um, but with me specifically, the the experience that I've been having that pertains to DMT, um, it's very much uh, it's, it's not anything that I experience when I'm asleep. It's always daytime, uh, during waking consciousness. And, um, it also pertains to, um, so to basically DMT, the spirit molecule is written by Rick Strassman. Later, the documentary DMT, the spirit molecule was made. Um, and then from there, Later, re recently, he has made another book called DMT and the Soul of Prophecy. In that book, he um, cross-analyzes the experiences that he had documented from the um, uh, volunteers during his research that created the book DMT, the Spirit Molecule. And he takes those experiences and what took place 
and he um, compares them to the experiences of the prophets in the Hebrew Bible. And because there's these prophets, and by prophet in this context, they are prophets that what that term means is they are having prophetic experiences that have um, that reveal something about the divinity of life. Um, they have these like prophetic experiences um, where they make contact with the divine um, in some capacity. And um, so it doesn't, it's not to say that they are um, seeing into the future, but rather that they're having uh, mystical experiences. And so he compares these experiences of the prophets with these experiences that people are having on DMT that he had documented during his research. And he sees that there are all these correlations and there are these different aspects to both of the experiences that are very similar. And um, as he made this book, uh, I had been doing my own research where I was comparing the experiences of people on DMT, which I had uh, looked up on the vaults of Arrowhead. Uh, Arrowhead.org is this website that has all these different um, sources of information uh, pertaining to every single drug imaginable. Um, and they also include a section um, of experience reports. And so anyone can log in um, and create their own experience report and uh, uh, put that through for that to be seen by whoever comes to it. I researched the experience reports there, and I then was looking at um, indigenous beliefs regarding nature, and I came to discover that there are all these correlations between what people are experiencing on DMT and what these indigenous people are saying about nature, uh, specifically pertaining to uh, trees and spiritual dimension. And um, so as I was making this, this um, research, Take, I was doing this research and I was creating a document um, that uh, included all of this research and um, showed the comparisons. I then found out that Rick Strassman was making his book. And um, so, yeah, uh, it's, it's a very fascinating, and, and I haven't been able, it's not anything, none of this is actually on my page, unfortunately. Um, but uh, that's been another interesting um, Part of this whole experience is what my art pertains to. Um, I later came to realize this art that I'm making, uh, like specifically, if you go to my page and you look at the um, the largest piece that I have at Solarium, um, you can find it in the um, it's it's on it's in my highlights as well as on the page itself. It's the large piece that. Um, that's featured at Slarum, the center one. On the bottom right-hand corner is um, a seal that's red. And um, if you look at that, it's very reminiscent of the Sumerian tree of life. So, and in which I, I didn't even know of at the time, the, but so basically the artwork that I'm making uh, just so happens to be art that has been created uh, even another one too. That if you, um, it's I'm about to hopefully like make it more of a um, like some of the art that you, that's on my page. You have to actually click on a post and then 
swipe over to see it. Um, and one of them is the green man. So the green man, I wasn't even aware of when I made a piece that is ultimately a green man. Um, I had made this one piece where there's this silhouette of a person reaching their hand out to a tree and the tree is blowing in the wind and which is uh, also in a silhouette form and it's reaching down to this person. And whenever I made this, I used green as a, um, a background color that then kind of uh, becomes a lighter green as it moves into uh, the wind. And as I was making this, I started um, slowly getting to the um, outer part on the right side, and I started to see a face appear. And so I continued to carefully shade it in, working in this face that was appearing. And um, as I did this and I finished it, there is this completed face around the tree uh, that I initially wasn't even trying to create. And then later um, I came to find out about the green man. Uh, I'm assuming, are you familiar with the green man? No, tell me. Okay. So the green man is a very interesting, very, um, I guess you could say prolific. It's a, it's a, um, it started off as a, rather a wood carving or stone carving created by the Celts. And it is a carving of a face made out of leaves. And sometimes leaves actually come out of the mouth of the green man. Um, and it's, it's recently becoming more and more, um, uh, like there, there's books being written about, written about it now. And they're saying like green man cometh, um, that this archetype is making a re a reappearance or reemergence into our, uh, society, um, due to the lack of appreciation, the lack of connection, uh, that we have with nature. And they're drawing all these, um, uh, possibilities surrounding, what this means because it's, it's a very interesting uh, piece of artwork where you have a face, what looks like a human's face made out of leaves. And um, some people think uh, that it's, it represents our oneness with nature that has to do with um, uh, spring coming forth uh, in, in that time of year. And, um, but it, it really does have a specific message. Um, which just so happens to be what I'm trying to express. And uh, again, going to um, the artwork, this artwork has been expressed in one way or another thousands of years ago, um, like the Sumerian tree of life. If you look at the Sumerian tree of life, you have these figures, human figures, uh, reaching their hands towards uh, this being that's above what, it's a very unique looking tree, but it's supposed to, I believe it represents not only a tree, but it represents all plant life and what whatnot. But at the top of it, you have this being that is uh, basically this orb and inside of it looks like a figure similar to the one standing around it. And the orb has wings coming out of it. And then if you look at um, the stone carvings at Bodh Gaya, where Buddha became enlightened, is Bogaya, and there are stone carvings, uh, one of which has a tree, and at the top of it, there are angels. And then the green man 
is a unique way. I think it's one of the best um, pieces of art that expresses this. And if I was to put it into words, I would say that what the green man represents is that there is this consciousness that is making itself known and is revealing itself through the leaves on trees and the rest of nature. That um, because it's this face made out of leaves, and it's almost as though this face is kind of coming forth through the the, the leaves, and but it's made out of the leaves itself, and so it's like this consciousness that is. Um, out in the world around us is revealing itself. That's another reason why they have leaves on some of these pieces that are coming out of its the, the mouth of this uh, face. Its language itself is the leaves. The sounds that the leaves are making is the, the voice of this consciousness uh, that is manifesting around us. And um, yeah, so um, I think to simplify, if I could, um, we're on... Uh, and I appreciate you. I, I figured this how it would go. Um, and, uh, this has been, this is already so meaningful cause I haven't been, I'm kind of isolated right now and I don't really get out too much. And, um, uh, I'm back in Louisiana and I don't have as many friends here or a social circle or whatnot that I can spend time with. And, um, I'm kind of a, uh, um, oddity in this location. Uh, even the other day I got, uh, I got stopped by the police because I was walking down the street with no shoes and with my hair down. Um, and for them, God forbid, right? (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I mean, you know, we're going to have to, and, and this was, this isn't the first time I've actually had the police called on me, um, because of my appearance, because and all I did that time was I just walked down the street to knock on a neighbor's door and some people were at a park and they just, you know, they saw me and they're like, I mean, a man with long hair, he doesn't, he's not wearing khakis or, um, a polo. Um, he's, he, we need to call the police because this is a, this is a problem. And, and yeah, the other day I got stopped by the cops. They pulled up right up on me. I was just walking down the street and they pulled up next to me and they said, get in front of the car. And I was like, excuse me, is there, a, is there a problem? And he said, get in front of the car. And uh, came to find out that I look suspicious. That if you're not wearing shoes and you have long hair, there's, there's apparently a problem, at least here. So anyway, um, I really do appreciate you um, allowing me a, a space and, a, and an opportunity to, to share this. Um, but what I'd really like to do, if I can, is... Um, to work back to um, trying to share with you the, the, to simplify things and to just share with you how this all started. Um, Because there is, and if anything, I should have just led with that. Um, There's different, there's so many different ends to this. And this has been a, um, uh, a challenge for me throughout this process. There's so much that I can speak of regarding the art. Um, and it is important, you know, like I wanted to give context into what inspired me to make the art. Um, but so in in other words, um, going to that journey and flower is what inspired me to make the art, but what it's actually about is about my own, um, personal experience that 
coalesced with some of the features of the game. So what I'd like to do, if I can, is um, just share with you and, and your audience um, how this really started for me and what the art itself is trying to express. Please. Okay, cool. Okay, so this all started, um, like I said earlier, um, when I was 17. And um, uh, I had been going through a process in my life where I had um, initially I had rejected religion. That was an important part. Um, and I'll try to give little bits of context leading up to this first moment. Um, so, so you and your audience can appreciate um, a little bit of the, the, um, the process. Uh, so I rejected religion at a young age. Um, and that was cause I was raised Catholic. And as soon as I was introduced to the concept of hell for me, that was a deal breaker. Um, so I, uh, decided that I couldn't have anything to do with that. And I decided if I'm going to do that, I'm also going to go ahead and, um, avoid all religion at all costs. Um, so it's been interesting now I've actually come to appreciate indigenous, indigenous religions after everything that's happened. But so at the time I was like, I'm not going to have anything to do with religion. And, um, then I started doing psychedelics. Um, that started at a very young age. Uh, I did actually LSD when I was 12. Um, and after that I started doing, I started involving myself in meditation that led to meditating with music. And then I had uh, this experience that I called uh, the epiphany, which was I was meditating with music and I reached a point where I burst into tears. I came to a place within myself that uh, caused me to spontaneously um, begin crying in a very beautiful way and, um, and a very joyous and um, it, was, it felt like a, um, like a purification. Uh, and after that happened, I had this tremendous appreciation for life and this very high enthusiasm towards everything that life is. And, and so that was the um, kind of the groundwork that led to this initial experience. So again, at this point, I was 17 and I was currently living on the country. Um, so I was surrounded by wilderness and, and nature and uh, on a particular day I went out to um, this area that um, it's this location that produces sand and um, as a result there's just acres and acres of um, what looks like a desert uh, out in in this um, this area and we go out I went out with my brother uh, we went out there and um, we went to uh, have a joint we smoked uh, a joint of cannabis and um, after we did, uh, we, and we had taken a four wheeler there. So after we had smoked, he rode off on the four wheeler and kind of was, uh, enjoying the, uh, desertous, um, going down the dunes and whatnot. And, and, um, so he left me there. And as I was sitting there, uh, I began looking up at these pine trees near me and the wind was blowing, uh, gently and gracefully through them. And I had this, I became overwhelmed with a sense of appreciation in that moment um, for the wind and for life and, um, 
and that this this I was able to experience this and um so in this moment I became uh as I became overwhelmed with this sense of appreciation I had this impulse to uh make a gesture and at the time I was sitting so I I got up and there was a small hill of sand in front of me that was before the pine trees I ran up this hill of sand with my arms uh, outstretched to my sides and uh, looking up to the trees. And, and it, was, um, it was my way of showing gratitude. It was my way of um, expressing my appreciation and uh, my enthusiasm. And, uh, but at the time, like I had no, nobody had given me any kind of indication that anything would happen. I figured I'd make this uh, gesture and I'd appreciate uh, the moment and that would be that. So I ran up this hill of sand with my arms out, making this gesture of love and appreciation. And as I reached the top of this hill, the wind increased at that same moment. And it really felt like it was in response. So I get to the top of it and, and I'm making this gesture and the wind increased at that moment. And as I'm looking up into the sky and I'm feeling this, like it really felt like the wind was being caused by something conscious that was in the sky, that was there with me, and it was showing um, the same appreciation for me as I was showing for it. But, you know, I had never experienced this before. I had never conceived of such a thing. and um, you know, I didn't, because of that, like, I didn't know what to, what to do, how to, how to, how to react. And I just kind of stood there dumbfounded looking into the sky. And, and at first it was like, I, I just kind of appreciated it for what it seemed to be and, um, and just try to take it in. And, and it really did feel like the whole sky was just filled with some form of consciousness, um, or this like living presence that was there with me and it was causing the wind to pour all around me. And, um, and this increase in wind stayed, it not only, um, uh, happened as I got up to the top of the hill, but it continued and, and it just felt like I was just being shown this, um, this really sincere, um, love towards me or this, this appreciation. And, but the more that that was happening, the more that I just couldn't kept, help but thinking like is this is this real like how can this it feels to be it feels like this is real it feels like this is happening in the way that it seems to be but like how can this how can this be possible and and so i just became more and more dumbfounded and i'm just uh you know my mouth is just dropping as i'm you know just becoming more and more uh befuddled as to how this is possible and after that happened I, I left uh that space and went back to my home which was out in the country and um and uh and I remember thinking as I was going back like I was just overwhelmed with this sense of wonder and and um just inspiration and but I was also just so dumbfounded and I get back home a few days later uh, after this happened, I went out to our pond that we had. We had uh, a nice little 
pond on the land that we lived on and um, I hung a hammock that uh, I was was sitting in in, the, in those days and so I'm sitting in the hammock I'm at the the pond and and next to the pond there's this uh, weeping willow tree so I'm sitting in the hammock and uh, I'm kind of recalling the experience days before and as I am I'm looking at this willow tree and I'm like studying it very intently and very intentionally um, just really really watching it with all of my focus and all of my attention and I'm looking at it as the wind was very gently again like the day before there was a breeze but it was very gentle and it's very softly kind of making the leaves flutter and as that's happening I'm just watching the leaves very very intently and I'm focusing on it to try to sense this presence or this consciousness that I had experienced uh, days before and there's this point as I'm looking at the leaves as I'm studying them and I'm focusing as with all of my uh, you know my might or whatnot I fit I felt this this presence once again and I felt that whatever is causing this phenomenon is real and it's 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 a conscious living presence that is causing it and I connected with it I I sensed it there with me and as soon as that happened it responded and it lifted the branches of this willow up into the air and um it was like that that was the most sublime moment up until that point um and it's it's difficult like even now i mean and this is this has been throughout this whole process um this this is real and this is an experience that i've had and, and i can understand anyone that's reluctant to believe that um but so like that that happened and then afterwards it's never stopped um i made that initial contact uh, that initial encounter took place, and then from there, it's just blossomed into this, into the most meaningful relationship that I've ever, I've ever had. And I've had plenty of other relationships with humans and animals um, that have been very uh, much from a place of love and reciprocal love, and and all of them have meant, uh, you know, a lot to me as well. But this this relationship has has and, and it's because it's been constant i've never um i've i've always been able to experience this ever since and um and it's it's the most uh it's the most magical thing that i'm i'm aware of and and the most meaningful thing that um i've i've yet to, it, to experience and um but so yeah it's like whatever um this is, it's real. And, and I've, I've been, um, and it became just more and more profound as, as the years went on. Um, I, I just continue to, uh, and it's very, it's very, it's a very interesting thing or it's hard to, to put into words, but basically it's just a matter of paying attention. And, um, I would focus on this, this presence causing this phenomenon and it would respond and it just, it be, and the, but a sense of mutuality built between us and um, 
the more time I spent with them, the more that this interaction started to have an effect on my consciousness. <clears throat> and so as, as things progressed, my perception of reality started to, um, to, to transform in a way. And um, I started to perceive the world as though um, the barrier between the physical plane and the spiritual one was dissolving and the two were becoming one in a sense. And the more time I spent in this relationship, the more it felt like I was entering into a state of heaven on earth. Um, then that started to uh, dissolve basically the, the, the experience of this itself started to take a, a turn for the worst because I was trying to have this experience and then also um, work a full-time job and, and all the expectations and whatnot of society. And, um, and as that happened, I, I really started to, to struggle with this because here I am, like I'm experiencing this, this is real, but I wasn't telling anybody. Um, like I said earlier, I shared after five years, it took for me to share this with my friend and it happened in a fit of tears. Like I, as soon as I started telling him, I just started just weeping uncontrollably. The only reason I'm not um, crying right now is because I'm trying to, to keep it together um, for the sake of you and your audience. But um, like, this is, this is the, the most important and dearest thing to me. And, um, and as the years went on, like I, I, you know, it was, it was, it was very easy to notice that like nobody else is, this isn't a, this isn't a normal thing. This isn't think, thing, something that people are talking about. People aren't like, like, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm interacting with what's causing the wind and it's so meaningful and beautiful. And, um, and so the more that I lived in, you know, society trying to work a job and, and, and then juggling this other experience as I'd go out into nature, um, it really started to take a toll on me because I'm like, I know what I'm experiencing. I know it's real. I know how much of a, of an impact and how much it's benefiting me. And, um, but here I am, uh, and, and like one time that it really sunk in was when I was sitting outside with a coworker and I was looking up at a tree next to us and I'm experiencing this interaction. I'm experiencing this relationship, um, right there next to him. And, um, and again, like I said, it's, it's effortless. It's like, you just, you look towards, once you make the connection, um, you just look towards the trees and you sense their, this presence and then it responds and you just have this exchange of energy or this like telepathic, um, for, I, for lack of a better word, a telepathic kind of exchange is happening. And I'm experiencing this right next to this guy. And, and it's like, whenever you look towards something and it, you're actually looking at something other people can notice rather than you're just kind of looking aimlessly in a certain direction. So as I'm looking at this tree next to this coworker, he can sense that I'm, I'm really looking at something um, rather than just looking in a, in a particular direction. Um, and so he's like, what are you looking at? And that was the first time that I really, I thought about it. I started thinking about it more, but that was the first time that I really, it hit me that like, you know, 
I'm experiencing this and other people aren't. And like, even the way that I first came to experience it, I didn't expect it to happen. Like I said, I didn't know that this was going to take place. Um, it happened, you know, more or less, um, on a whim. And then here I am, I'm, I'm launched into this relationship and, uh, this guy is asking me, what do you see? Or what are you looking at? And I turned to him and I said nothing because I just didn't even, I hadn't even contemplated like how to begin to express this to someone. Um, you know, m mainly because who's going to believe it. Um, and, uh, and just in general, like it's taken years to really create kind of a, um, a dialogue, uh, as to like how to, put this into words and so I just said nothing at the time and and that really uh, affected me um and the more that time went on the more that I really um started to have this sinking feeling like you know I'm not saying anything about this and and so then I played like I said journey and flower and here the, here are these games where you are the wind and you're moving around this natural landscape and and it's so beautiful and like anyone who plays it they're just touched by it the the start of some of the levels too or most of them um they have this setting where you're in the the busy city and cars are flying by and there are all these noise um all this noise of the city and then all of a sudden it it fades into a meadow and there's this quiet soft music and then you you start to move and and you start to bring color and life to the world around you and and um and then with journey you're this half human half kai and you're flying ground and these beings in the sky are lifting you up into the air and and it just made me um you know because i didn't even know at the time like is this are the people who are making these games are they aware of what i'm experiencing because it it might it would seem like it um and but it made me realize like you know what I've been experiencing is, is so important and it's so meaningful. And, um, I mean, forget about what science may have to say on it or, or a rationalist. Um, and, and to that point too, like, I don't know what exactly is taking place. And I've, of course, certainly even from the first moment, you know, I was thinking, how can this be real? And, um, and that's been a thought up until this day is, what is this? What's, 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 but the thing is, is that it is real, regardless of what exactly is taking place. Um, and so, you know, when I played the games, I was like, I have to, that, that's what inspired me, you know, like I can make art that expresses this. And, and then after that, uh, I then looked in, I was given a reason to look into indigenous beliefs. And sure enough, um, thousands of years ago, like I said, the Sumerian tree of life, there's this being that's hovering above this tree that has wings and it's this orb. And then where Buddha became enlightenment, uh, reached enlightenment in Bodhgaya, there are these stone carvings of angels above a tree. And then you have the green man, this face that is emerging and that is made out of leaves. And then like, if, if you go into, for me personally, um, the one that had the most impact on me is Shintoism. Shintoism is the indigenous religion of Japan. And um, in that religion, well, there's a book recently made by a Shintoist priest who's trying to 
point out that we're losing touch with nature. We need to reconnect with nature and with uh, spirit. And um, and he also points out that like in today's um, world, like we've throughout generation, not only has society itself separated itself from nature and from spirit, but even the religions themselves have lost touch. And like in Shintoism now, Shintoist priests, uh, younger ones who have gone through Shinto college, they don't even have real experience regarding this. They just, they're put through the, um, the r- r- uh, ritual practices and how to um, maintain and, um, you know, the roles of conduct or whatnot of uh, shrines and uh, the burial procedures and whatnot. Um, but he points out that um, that it, it's been an understanding of the Japanese people that you can make contact with the spiritual dimension through trees. And he actually refers to, there, there's terminology um, that they use. Uh, the term is Eurishiro. And Eurishiro is a spiritual antenna um, that acts as a conduit and that that's what trees can serve as, that they are a spiritual antenna um, that connects the spiritual dimension with the physical one. And um, so I go from having the initial experience, having this, this become a, uh, a relationship that, I mean, I could go on and on. Um, I know that we don't have time, but like I had, I shared moments with whatever this consciousness is whatever um and of course there's implications you know like if you look at the stone carving at bodhgaya where you have angels and they look like humans right they look like humans with wings so you can immediately uh draw the obvious implication of what that could mean um but um you know whatever it it is specifically that i'm interacting with i i can't I can't stress enough how meaningful it is and how um, touching and, and um, uh, therapeutic and how like it, it, it gives this overwhelming sense of, of comfort and peace and, um, uh, and comfort. Uh, I think, yeah, I think I just said that, but like uh, recently I've been going through a difficult time in my life. Um, I have a condition, a neurological condition that's worsened. And when it first got uh, worse, I'd go outside feeling very um, distraught and very uh, broken. And, um, and this presence would comfort me. Like they, they actually recognized the suffering that I'm going through, and they would take it upon themselves to, to comfort me, to show me compassion. And, and what that essentially is is just I walk outside, um, there's rather no wind or a slight breeze. And then, and, and I can, and it's, it's a thing too, that like I can sense their presence and I can, um, feel the, the, their, their presence as well as their response. And like whenever I'm out there and during this time, um, as I enter into the outside world and I sit down and I'm in this, this disheveled, broken state they sense that and then the wind increases and 
the sound of the leaves and the feeling of this air moving around me comforts me and calms me. And, and it's literally been them saying like, we see what, we're, what you're going through and we want you to, you know, we, you, everything's going to be okay. And they're trying to, to show me compassion. And, um, and, uh, so yeah, it's like, it's something that, uh, and I know that it, like the, the, the situation now, like the consciousness community, everybody that's, you know, involved in yoga and meditation, uh, psychedelics, the psychedelic community. Um, I mean, I've thought about, and, and I, if anything, I'll try to work it out to actually make it to a rainbow, a rainbow gathering. Um, cause I know like if people, if the right people hear this and they, they, you know, enough people actually experience it. And then once those people experience it, they give their own testimony and they're like, yeah, this dude isn't, you know, this is, this is real. And, um, you know, that this is, this is, uh, bound to become, uh, you know, it's, it's gonna, it's going to, uh, become more and more, uh, appreciated and brought to, uh, brought into, um, discussion and, um, recognized as a real thing. And, um, of course there will be people who will dismiss it and they'll say, you know, that's, that's ridiculous. Um, and, but the more that people come to experience it, the more that people, uh, share their testimony as well and say like, no, this is, this is real. Um, you know, the more that it will be acknowledged. And, um, so that's, that's what I'm, I'm trying to do is, uh, create enough, um, uh, you know, imagery, uh, illustration and, and then context to really get people to consider this and, uh, to try to experience it themselves. And, uh, but yeah, it's, it's been understandably difficult. Um, and, uh, and my apologies. And you're so, by the way, thank you so much. Cause you're, uh, um, I wasn't sure how our you're 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 doing a great job of letting me just go on a tangent, um, and I was trying. You know, m the most important thing about what I just shared, of course, is the beginning, and and how I first started to experience this. Um, you know, making that gesture and then that response took place. That was it. Like that was the moment that I realized that this was possible. And um, and again, like that happened on a whim. I didn't I didn't foresee that happening. I didn't. It's not like I like, you know, manifested within my own mind the possibility that this could happen and, and then went about it. Like I just, I just made a gesture. I was just out there. I just loved and appreciated life and I had this profound enthusiasm for it. And, and then I made this gesture and then this response happened. And afterwards I then, you know, had that context and then I really intently gazed at this phenomenon and then made that connection and then it responded again. And, and then for me, like I then knew and, um, started to experience this more and more. And, um, but yeah, I really, um, I really appreciate you, uh, giving me the space and an opportunity and, um, uh, yeah, thank you so much for listening and to your audience as well.
Oh my God. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. What a beautiful story. And you are so vulnerable to share all of that. I can like sense the deep feeling and emotion. And it's just so beautiful. Thank you. Um, What was really interesting while I was like listening to you talk and you're sharing the story about how you kind of like started to engage in this communication and I just thought how interesting it is that kind of like going into this conversation, I was like, oh, we'll mostly talk about art. But I feel like what really I had like a huge realization myself about art through this conversation that art is merely the reflection of you communicating with the divine and not only you, but I feel like everyone, to a certain extent, if they're engaged in this like conscious art making or like conscious ritual, I feel like right. ritual is even just like another name for art, vice versa, or it can be. I just think it's so, I don't know, I just think it's so beautiful that it's not really about like, the I mean it is it is about the manifestation of what you're creating but it's it's really about like the submerging of like this consciousness with this divinity that's with you and holding you and like almost carrying you through um these you know the trials and tribulations of life like I think about like when you had that problem on the mountain and you lost your backpack, but then you were brought to this waterfall. And um, I think it was it was so interesting how like things also have gotten like paralleled in your story. Like I think about the where you were doing the showcase with the performance art and you had that the sign of um feel free to stereotype me and then when right. you're going and expressing this whole story to the makers that have like really changed your life through this video game and then they're stereotyping you um <laughs> yeah <laughs> right yeah okay. but like it's like through these tests and then i start thinking like why do we even have this if like we have this divine consciousness, right? But it doesn't always like, because we do have problems. It's like nothing's fair. Like it's not fair that you have these neurological problems. It's like it's not fair that they're suffering. But I started thinking about this. My friend was talking about the earth as an altar. And when we're really suffering, we can, and we don't have enough room on our own altar, we can like bring it to the earth. Because who knows suffering more than the earth? It's like the earth gets hurt all the time by us. Like we're polluting it. And it's like, you know, it's it's able to like comfort us because it knows the suffering itself. It's like it's not different or I don't know. I don't know what I feel sorry if I'm like going on a rant. But like. No, totally. It, It goes both ways. 
totally. And it's like yeah. to be able to like tap into that and feel seen by it and feel held by it and to be guided by, um, you know, the divinity is just so beautiful. You have such a beautiful story. Thank you. Oh my goodness. Um, what do you think, why do you think like it comes to some people through psychedelics and then it just comes to some people perhaps through nature? Is there, do you think there's a certain element of like you have to be open to it and whatever way you're open to it, it kind of seeps its way in or do you have any like thoughts about that? Yeah. So, um, and this is, this is an important, I'm glad you asked that because this is an important, um, aspect to me trying to share this with whoever I share it with. Um, you know, people may ask the question like, well, you're experiencing this, but what's, who's to say that I can. And I certainly can't guarantee that somebody can experience this interaction. Um, but at the same time, throughout my research, it's become obvious to me that this isn't unique to me. Like, um, and, and, and there's a catch to this because like in Shintoism, again, uh, throughout generations, um, or like for instance, in, in shrines now, the way that they will conduct their um, practices, a lot of times it's done indoors with of all things, what looks like a birdhouse. And I can tell you now, and, and I hate, I don't wish to come across as, um, uh, you know, arrogant or, um, or, or something like that, but it, that's not how it's done. And, and, or, or I'll say this, whether or not you can make contact and experience this interaction indoors using what looks like a birdhouse, um, I would say, and, and it's very, it's interesting. It's, it's very reminiscent of what's done in Hinduism now where they will supposedly invoke a deity of sorts, one or another, um, into a, a statue form that they've created and they do it indoors with a statue. Like in Hinduism, it's been said that all of the gods were once trees. Um, in Buddhism, the original uh, ancient practices were done in forest. The, the monastery was a forest. Uh, in Shintoism, the ancient practice was always done with a tree outside. And um, throughout generations, somehow, whether just because of how generation works, that as generations... Um, come forward and uh, develop and, and move in, into the future, they have a potential of losing touch with what the previous generations understood and experienced. And then there's also the potential, which in some cases, it's not just the potential of it, but rather it is a fact that like in regards to the Celts, their sacred groves were chopped down, burned, their people were demonized. Um, they were, uh, you know, they were ran off. They, 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 it was deliberately, um, an, uh, 
a takeover of their beliefs and of their experience. And so you've had this process throughout um, thousands of years where these beliefs and these practices have been eradicated and they've been tried to push pushed aside and, and done away with because this is how you really, this is, this, this takes the power of the hierarchy and brings it to the, to the individual. Instead of you having to go through this religious institution, you uh, tap into your own innate consciousness, your own innate perceptions and awareness. You go out in nature and you experience the divine yourself. You don't need another human being in order to, um, to have a profound, meaningful experience um, that could be to- uh, coined religious or spiritual. You have the power within you. And, um, and I do truly believe that going to your question um, regarding, you know, do you have to be open? I'd say absolutely. It's, it's very important that if you're going to, uh, if you hear what it is that I'm saying or what anyone else is saying regarding this um, topic, you have to <clears throat> certainly be open to the possibility. You have to be open to such an experience to happen. And then you also have to take the, the necessary time um, because I, I, to an extent, this did happen on a whim. But I also, um, like I had given some context leading up that I had been using psychedelics. I had been meditating. Um, I was very much, even though I wasn't expecting this particular interaction to take place, I was engaged in a very um, uh, significant and a very consistent effort of trying to focus my mind, my consciousness, my spirit, um, my awareness. And so I had kind of prepped myself in so many ways leading up to that initial experience that made it possible. I was also very much uh, like the rejecting of Catholicism. For me, it was that here you guys are trying to tell me the story that's very, um, number one, it's convoluted, but also it's, it's very uh, contradictory of itself where you're telling me about a unconditionally loving God and then this damnation if you just so happen to not believe in said God. Um, and I don't really appreciate that. I'm not going to have anything to do with that. And instead, I want, uh, and I should have said this to begin with, um, the way that I looked at it whenever I reject a religion is instead of having someone else dictate to me what my beliefs are, um, how I should see life, I'm going to let my own existence dictate what my perception is, what my belief is, and what I, um, you know, form my position around what this all means. And um, so in that way, I allowed my own, I was open to my own experience to let it just happen naturally. And, um, but to be, yeah, to be open is very important. Um, I think psychedelics are, they should be used as a tool in opening pathways of your consciousness, um, developing your spirit, uh, and trying to kind of um, awaken your perception in a way that maybe this current state of affairs has kind of, um, you know, 
isolated and um, uh, disoriented you, you know, and, and if you've, if you've been living, I like what I could say as far as advice goes, um, and I struggle with this myself uh, and have throughout my life, you know, we live in a very, um, uh, what's the word? Well, it, it's like we isolate ourselves and we, um, we kind of box ourselves in, so to speak. And, um, and then if you're just watching TV and um, constantly on your phone and, um, you know, uh, it's important to get, just for one, not only be open, but to get out into nature, get outside, spend time outdoors, get, get that initial, um, uh, you know, experience taking place where you're just out there, you're getting a feel for it. Um, listen to, uh, the trees, listen to, um, nature around you and just be in it and appreciate that for what it is. And then, um, and then be open to the potential that, you know, this phenomenon could very well be conscious, uh, and that what's, or that what's creating it is, um, conscious and with you that there's this living presence, um, manifesting itself in the world around you and then trying to be open to it. And, uh, so yeah, um, I think that it really, what it boils down to is, um, believing not only in yourself, but believing in, um, the magic of life and the, um, the, the possibility that consciousness extends beyond yourself and that there is a consciousness outside of yourself that exists that you can connect with being open to that. And, um, because I really do believe that this is, it's not like, I, like I don't see myself as a clairvoyant, um, some people may would, would would hear my story and they would say like, Oh, that's what you are. You're, you're clairvoyant. But I don't think that that's a, um, an accurate description or, a, a very useful term because then it's like saying I have some kind of special, there's something because like, I mean, I'm unique in certain ways and I'm certainly an eccentric, but, um, there's nothing that, I mean, and I'm saying that, saying this from my own my own personal self and experience is that I'm like everybody else and it's just it's it's a matter of tapping into your innate abilities within your consciousness and your perception and um you know being open uh and I think that anybody if you really put your heart and soul to it you give it enough time and enough effort and sincerity that anybody can experience this um and for that matter, every, every other kind of, you know, mystical state, um, that this is a human experience, um, that we're supposed to have to connect with the divine in one form or another, uh, using psychedelics, not using psychedelics, being out in nature. It's a, it's a human experience, uh, that we can all experience. Okay. I have another question. Okay. So we were, you were talking about being on that hill and making your first gesture and then hearing back from the universe. Do right. you kind of think of your art that way, that you're making a gesture with your art to the universe as kind of an offering? Or is it more you're creating this art to kind of um, communicate with other people 
your connection with the universe to try and help them see what you see or is it both i'd say uh it's a bit of both um it's more so um me trying to uh to spark the imagination and the um to to awaken the perception of others um and for them to um kind of get some kind of an inspiration like all of them they always uh each each piece you'll see a person rather uh looking uh reaching their arm out to a tree and the wind blowing through it um and uh but so that like well like for instance there's one where the person is uh holding a string to a kite and the kite is on the ground and but they're not looking at the kite they're looking at this tree in front of them and kind of the and again i I would really love to make an animation um i just i have no background or knowledge to do so at the moment but the story behind that piece is that there's this boy flying a kite uh or for that matter any child flying a kite and they uh the kite falls to the ground near a tree and as they walk up uh to retrieve the kite the wind blows through the tree and then their attention is uh drawn from the kite being moved through the wind by the wind to the tree and um and then on this this piece the it's like the figure um is more kind of like a silhouette and in the center of them is a light where their heart would be and then there's this light around the tree and so my intention there is is for the viewer to connect with that silhouette that person see the light within them recognize it as spirit and then see the light around the tree recognizing that that's spirit as well and that um i'm trying to get them to kind of enter into that space of recognizing this um, recognition and this awareness uh, and focus that this character in the piece is um, directing, that's being directed towards the tree, and for them then to and to, to recognize the spiritual component, to then go outside and to consider directing their attention to the tree as well and feeling from within themselves the spirit that is all around them. Um, so it's, uh, it's mainly that, but it's also like, this is, this is my, uh, this effort on my part is more, uh, it's, it's, it's an effort to, like I said, it was inspired by the journey in flower and made me realize like, you know, I know what I know. I've experienced what I've experienced. And now, it's, it's up to, you know, I, I have to do what I can to, to share this. Um, but it's also what keeps me going with it isn't just the thought that I might be able to kind of reawaken people's imagination and um, get people to um, recognize this, this relationship and this interaction is possible. Um, but also, it's my way of... Um, paying back what's been uh, offered to me. Like this relationship has 
it, it will forevermore be that which has made like I, I feel truly blessed and um, grateful and every day, like, I mean, I experience this on a regular basis and, and it continues to, to bring comfort and meaning and um, magic into my life. And so this is kind of also the art is not only to try to reach other people and for this to become something that, cause I really do want this to like become an area of topic. Uh, you know, I see meditation and yoga and, um, different forms of spirituality, uh, you know, singing bowls and, um, uh, Reiki and, and all these different practices. And, but you rarely ever, I'll see every once in a while, I'll see somebody talking about, um, angels and, uh, or nature and the wind connecting forest bathing, forest bathing is kind of slowly becoming a thing. Um, but you don't see much of it. So I do want to use this art as a way to um, get people more involved, get people more uh, interested in getting out of nature, trying to make a connection, um, not only with nature, but spirit and uh, consciousness. And, but then at the same time, it's, it's very much my, uh, it's kind of a further gesture that I had originally made in the very beginning to show my thanks and uh, for me to serve um, what has essentially served my life um, to, uh, to in so many ways or in so many words to to make it known to them just how grateful I am because I'm basically dedicating my life uh, at this point towards making the art and towards trying to figure out ways to express this and so it's kind of like this and and I don't again like to, real quick I don't know. It's, it's a difficult thing because I don't like to, I like to contextualize, but not conceptualize, but in all intents and purposes, like whatever it is that I've been interacting with, I really do think that the model shown in the Sumerian, um, artwork, the Buddhist artwork at Bodh Gaya, where you see these angels, um, that really does fit very well. And, and then with the green man, you see this, this face, uh, this consciousness that is uh, manifesting itself. I don't know who exactly I am interacting with, but it does feel like it is, it is certainly, I am interacting with something um, that is basically, it's, it's an intangible form of existence that is, I, you, I can't even imagine how many um, uh, there are, but it feels like there are like basically the sky. It feels like it's in, it's filled with an ecology of souls, and wherever those souls originate from, I can't say. Um, again, the implications are quite clear that this could very well be um, uh, equatable to the afterlife. Uh, I can't say for sure, but, um, you know, this is kind of my, um, I, I'm making my life now a, uh, in service of them because they, they opened up for me a whole new pers uh, perspective and, and appreciation and experience of life that, um, and, and I just, I feel like it's necessary in general. Um, but, uh, 
and, and sorry to, to continue, just real quick, the going to the, the angelic aspect, um, I will, when, it, when we, I'll keep um, posting on my story something that hopefully your viewers can see um, in the future. And, and also with the highlight, I'm also planning on posting it on my page, but it's a video of Greg Braddon, and he talks about this from the perspective of the Essenes. And the Essenes, um, how they word it is that there are the angels of the wind. Um, and it's a very beautiful thing that he talks about um, regarding the Essenes and their beliefs about this, uh, that whenever the wind, whenever you step outside and you experience the wind, uh, that from this perspective, you have just um, spent time uh, um, with another um, being, another uh, form of consciousness. So, yeah, it's as much a uh, effort to try to get people to engage in this and to get outside and experience nature um, as much as it is to show my thanks and to, uh, to kind of make my life in service of uh, the universe itself as well as uh, all that makes it what it is. Wow. I'm so inspired by your message. Thank you. That is so beautiful. So tell everyone where they can find you and where they okay. can connect with you. So um, my uh, Instagram uh, is tree loving life. And that's just uh, all. No, um, I learned not to use. Uh, uh, I can't even think of the name of it now. Um, Characters. Under underscore um so no underscores just tree loving life and um uh unfortunately that's really the only way um and and i'm and more so unfortunately like we didn't talk about it much but uh my neurological condition um it's called visual snow syndrome and uh recently it just got worse if you can if you can believe this um it got worse from me being on instagram too much um, and or using uh, in screens in general. Um, I was watching TV using my tablet and um, interacting with others. And hello, uh, I strain my eyes. Which yes, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. Just start over like a little bit back, like thirty seconds. Okay. okay. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, so I, the just just to let your audience know, if anybody wants to connect with me, um, I to try to do so sooner rather than later because, unfortunately, I may end up um, walking away from. Yeah, I'll, I'll keep my page going, and everything on it, but uh, my neurological condition, like I said, is called uh, visual snow syndrome, and uh, it got worse. Part and partly due to me uh, being on uh, having too much screen time, and uh, and so I, I have to do what I can to try to um, to not to not mess with that. So um, so yeah, uh, I, I I feel like I should at least say that in case people try to reach out and um, and I don't get back to them rather in a timely manner or uh, if they reach out to me later in, in the future and, and I don't get back to them at all. 
um, which would probably be in like a month or so, then uh, my apologies. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, Tree Loving Life. And um, if you ever happen to be in Fort Collins, um, you can find my art at Solarium, uh, it, which is a hostel. I think they're about to change from a hostel to a hotel. I'm not sure. But um, yeah, Solarium in Fort Collins and uh, for, uh, Colorado. And yeah. Um, and, and thank, and I want to thank your audience as well, uh, as in, and you, um, but to your audience, I, I do want to say thank you very much for listening, um, and considering what it is that I'm sharing with you. Uh, I can appreciate anybody who may, uh, and, and I can't stress this enough, you know, don't believe me in regards to anything I've said based on me saying it. Uh, that's, and, and also I'm like, I don't, Again, I don't look at myself as a kind of clairvoyant, um, you know, or a spiritual teacher or anything like that. It's just I'm a, a person that has had an experience, and um, I'd like to share that experience with others because I know that if if I hadn't come to it the way that I did, I would appreciate somebody sharing this with me so that I could have the opportunity then to to try to. Ex- to, to experience it for myself. And so, um, just, you know, to consider what it is that I've said and, and to take it for what it's worth. Um, and, uh, I'm very grateful, um, to anybody listening as well as yourself. Uh, I, I honestly, like I really do. Um, you reached out to me, you know, a while ago and, um, and it's taken me a long time to, to get back or to, to take you up on your offer. And, um, Truly, I can't tell you enough how much I, because to me, it's not a matter of how many people I reach. Um, you know, I'd like to, to, to get this out to everyone. Um, and I don't know how many, how, how larger your audience is at this point. But to me, it's, it's so important that, you know, however many people I can reach, that's, that's what it's about. Uh, it's kind of similar to the story about the woman or the, the girl who is picking up um, a starfish on the beach, you may have heard, and um, she's throwing starfish back into the ocean, and a man comes along and says, what are you doing? And she says, I'm, I'm throwing these starfish back into the ocean. They've been washed up shore. And he looks out at the beach and he says, well, there, there's thousands of them. Like, there's no way that you can, you know, really have, that you can do anything and, and or make a difference and, she picks up, she reaches down, picks up another starfish, and she says, uh, I made a difference for this one. And she throws it into the ocean. And um, so, yeah, I'm just trying to reach as many people as possible. And, um, and so, thank you so much for the opportunity. Um, it really does mean the world to me. Thank you. And thank you for sharing your story and being so vulnerable and so honest and open. And I can definitely relate to that feeling of when you walk a spiritual path, it can be extremely lonely because you're walking it alone. It's like by nature, you kind of have to walk it alone. Um, But I really appreciate what you're doing with trying to bring others into it. So then it doesn't have to be so lonely Um, because I don't think it really does have to be that way. It's like the way society's conditioning us 
Um, it's kind of ended up that way, but I think each of us doing something can change it a little bit, which I think is really beautiful. Totally. So thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, and you're very welcome. Corn liquor tastes sweeter in this town. Could it be it's the same as the last? I swear I've seen your face elsewhere before Just as familiar as a bottle and a glass Hey darling, sleeping on the black top Hey darling, running through the trees, honey Hey darling, leaving for the next town Less than my set sketches up with me Hey darling, sleeping on the black top Thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode with Shane Definitely reach out and connect with him on Instagram, Tree Loving Life. And I hope you enjoyed it. I know you did. What's not to love about that story? Ah, oh, it was so inspiring. I loved it. And I love his art. You guys need to go check it out. It's so cool. Um, and I hope it inspires you to make some art and maybe connect with everything that you can't see that's there or that you can see through nature, but connect with the spirit through it. Um, you know what I mean? We just talked about it for a million hours. So I love you guys. I hope you enjoyed I hope you go into this 2020 emperor year with some inspiration to create. I love thinking about the emperor as the artist who shows up to work on his craft or his or her or their craft every day and just creating that space for themselves to really manifest what they're supposed to lead with. Um, so we have many, many, many new episodes coming in 2020 and I'm really, really, really excited. Thank you guys so much for being on this journey with me. Always a journey, right? And I love you. I know I've said it five million bajillion times, but I do and I hope you feel it. And have a fantabulous new year. Love you. P.S. One more thing. I think I'm going to do a song that kind of like is the vibe of the person I'm interviewing. So today's music was by Coulter Wall and it was called Sleeping on the Blacktop. One of my faves. So I hope you enjoyed. And my sense catches up with me.